0: Today with Claire Byrne on RTE Radio 1 with All Care Pharmacy. Discover a healthcare team that's always here for you at All Care Pharmacy, Ireland's largest community pharmacy network.
1: And it's time now for the Friday Gathering and I'm joined by Grainne journalist with the Press Association, Owen O'Brien, Sinn Féin TD and spokesperson on housing, Martin Hayden, Minister of State of the Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine and Finnegal TD for Kildare South and Brenda Power, columnist with the Irish Daily Mail and Sunday Times. You're all very welcome. Thank you for coming in Today, Brenda, I'm looking at your uh, column here. You're writing that opposition politicians have been grandstanding using faux outrage when they object to the ending of the eviction ban. So explain that now to Owen O'Brien, who's sitting beside you there.
0: We had a very civilised conversation outside. Actually, Claire, you'd be disappointed to hear about this. So, I mean, my issue, I suppose, is what was the end position with respect to the to the housing ba- ban, from Owen's point of view, w- was it to be maintained permanently, or was it to be uh, just extended for a few months? And mm-hmm. this problem, though I hate the phrase, kicked down the road because the the shortage of houses is the issue. It's not it going to be solved by basically making desperate people who are vying for the same rental properties play musical chairs. So you know we we let the the current group of renters stay there for another few months, and then we have an even greater lot of evictions or else we try and ban landlords from being able to retrieve their own property
1: So the musical chairs analogy you use, you're saying that you're pitting desperate people against each other.
0: Of course you are. Because, and I mean, this was predicted last October or whenever it was that the ban was announced, that what you would have, worthy and all as it was, and breathing space, though it it gave people undoubtedly over the winter, was that you were going to have a lot of evictions. You were going to have people competing with one another and whatever chance they might have had of obtaining a rental property in the normal market. You're going to have a flood of people suddenly competing with one another. Mm-hmm. for a, a limited, in fact, an inadequate supply of the, houses. The,
1: the number of people I've had on this programme from housing organisations, from charities and so on saying, we've got to use this time over the eviction mm-hmm. ban to put measures in place to make sure that we're not going to hit a cliff edge. They then warned time head, and time yeah. again. And is that not the problem here? That you can't end it because nothing was put in place. But,
0: but, but then how long do you sustain it until we solve the housing crisis? How long is that going to be? Owen?
2: Yeah. So when we were urging the government to introduce the emergency ban on evictions at the latter end of last year, we argued exactly the point that Brenda has outlined, which is it's not a solution in and of itself. But exactly as the homeless organisations pointed out in your shows, it provided a breathing space. And in fact, in October, I wrote a very detailed memo to Dara O'Brien setting out what those emergency actions would be. To answer Brenda's question directly, uh, uh, you can end the ban on evictions when the pressure on emergency accommodation was re- reduced. And all that would have required was some emergency interventions around assisting local authorities and approved housing bodies buy rental properties, not just with social housing tenants living in them, but also uh, affordable cost rental tenants living in them uh, to bring them into the social and affordable sectors. But also to use some of the emergency powers the government used during COVID planning and procurement powers uh, to provide maybe a 1,000 additional Social homes on top of the existing government targets, targeting vacant and derelicts as well as new building technologies. That would have lifted the pressure because remember, in October of last year, 19 local authorities had no emergency accommodation whatsoever. That was the main reason why Mm. government actually was forced to act. They didn't take any of those emergency actions. And as we predicted, by not taking those actions, we are at the cliff edge. Again, to answer Brendan's question directly, I think it is reasonable to say we could extend this ban only to the end of the year because you cannot have a permanent ban on evictions. Uh, and if government took the emergency actions that, again, on Monday of this week, I said I had a very detailed memo to darrell O'Brien, you would see an easing of the pressure on emergency accommodation. But what we also have to do is ramp up the supply of social and affordable homes, and that's a broader, more urgent okay. task government has missed, as we heard on the Callan's Kicks clip there both its social and affordable housing targets last year for the third year in a row. But there are emergency actions that you could take during a a ban on evictions to ease that pressure. Government government failed and and that's why we need him to extend the ban and introduce those emergency actions now. So
1: Martin Hayden, that's not an unreasonable suggestion. So Sinn Féin are not saying this should be an open-ended thing. It should end at the end of the year but you've got to take the measures that he has explained. And there are people in your own party and in the other government parties who are saying exactly the same thing.
3: I'm not aware of anybody in Fine Gael who's saying they should be extended to the end of the year and that you lift them. um, No, no, no.
1: About the the measures that should be put in place to make sure that there's no cliff edge here. There are people in every government party saying, something has to be done to make sure that we're not left with homeless people at the end of this over that period from April into June
3: Of course we all want to work and we all have constituency clinics we all deal with people who are renters who may have eviction uh, threats hanging over them or otherwise and we're working through uh, that with them the solution for renters though is not an ongoing extension of the moratorium and definitely not an eviction moratorium lifting at Christmas that has no credibility Sinn Féin will be back again at the end of the year saying it needs to be extended for longer again the analysis government did at this was that it would hurt the very renters we're trying to protect that you continue this on the never and ever, it would probably have to be extended at least one year, possibly two. We'd be having a very different conversation here today Mm -hmm. if that's what was agreed. And I would argue that we have put in place measures during that time. Uh, Obviously, we've seen the increase in the supply of social housing, of uh, the amount of private bills. And we also have the extra resources going in to provide that extra stock that Owen talks about in terms of uh, the extra leasing and the other elements there. But we need honesty in this debate here because it has no credibility to me how Owen would suggest that you would uh, uh, have an eviction ban lift in the middle of a winter at Christmas time it just wouldn't happen you couldn't do it
1: and do you think it's credible to lift it now
3: I do, I think we are sticking to the policy that was outlined that was agreed by the Dal last October that Sinn Féin and everyone else agreed with, with this timeline that it would uh, end at the end of March, phased out to June um, and we have these other measures in place to provide that extra assistance in stock because we're not doing any service to the very renters we're trying to protect here um, who uh, you know have concerns, we will see an even greater uh, re- reduction yeah, I mean, of, of the I'm amount I'm of sh- landlords I'm out sure there, landlords who are demonised yeah, uh, in this country yeah, by I'll- Okay, and we'll come to that, but
1: John Mark McCafferty on Morning Ireland from Threshold saying, what am I going to tell the families? Mm -hmm. What am I I going to say to them? Nasa Harrigan saying, in my clinics as a TD, where am I going to tell people to go? You're probably going to be facing that situation too.
3: I I am. I I have people who are in this situation in my constituency in Kildare South. What what are you going to say Uh, to them? I also have an awful lot of renters who who don't need any more um, private landlords exiting the market um, for that element as well. But, uh, you know, we're going to now drive on with the leasing of the additional 1,000 units on top of uh, what is there at present. We know the, um, the extra provision that was provided over the course of the winter um, through the delivery of the 7,000 social homes, uh, the extra um, mm-hmm. beds and, and the other initiatives are, um, around to support uh, renters, not just renters who are in receipt of HAP and who are under housing list, but also renters who are, are, have an income that's just beyond that limit as well. Yep.
1: You're getting slaughtered over this, though. You you know, the the opposition to this decision, I think it's unprecedented. It's coming from you, from all sides. Did you anticipate that?
3: Absolutely, Claire. This was never going to be. Once this moratorium was brought in for any length of time yeah. it was never going to be easy but to the decision it. to but end it was, was a shock job. was
1: a shock I mean everybody was saying over the weekend there were different sources well, I, even from government I wouldn't saying we're going to do this there's not going to be a cliff edge there might be a half measure taken were you surprised yourself by the decision that emerged
3: no because this was a, a policy that was set up by government last autumn that we voted on it all, and the decision taken this week was to see that true was not to to not extend it so shock, there shouldn't have been that much shock because it's different if government announced we're going to change course from what we set out. Um, We're actually sticking with that. Of course, this is not Popular um, because it's very easy to paint it as, you know, I was struck by Callan's Kicks clip there. They talked about corporate landlords, didn't talk about the landlord that owns one property. Um, you know, th- th- that's what we're faced with in government, you know, that we're heartless, we don't care. They, they, you know, that's the whole narrative that's uh, spun by media, uh, or by, sorry, by, by opposition. And, and it, at certain times it's put to us we uh, as me as a government td and as a minister i deal with constituents every day of the week the last thing i want is anybody to be faced with an eviction uh, but we have to make the decisions not just that are right for people for the next 2 months but that are right for people in 6 months time and we will hurt the very renters we're trying to protect yeah. if we extend uh, that moratorium um, indefinitely i want, to hear, from, I want to hear from i want to hear
1: from grawney here because pat lee was writing in the irish times that this is a decision might just be a sign that the government is prepared now to take less popular decisions do you agree with that and and why
4: do you think that's the case well yeah, just to go back to what Martin was saying there about um, this was a decision that was taken. Well, no, it wasn't mm-hmm. because this 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 was something that was up in the air for a couple of a couple of weeks, if not months. Uh, because particularly the the housing the homelessness numbers have not only not gone down; they have been increasing to new record highs each month, which did take the government by surprise. They thought this was something that the eviction ban would tackle, and it didn't. So this is why people started talking. Well, maybe it will be ex- extended because uh, as kind of the cost of living is maybe not accelerating at the same rate it was, it might. It actually might do something if extended for a certain period of time. And Leo Vradker himself said, if we are extending it, he told the all, we would have to be really clear about what we were doing to give landlords certainty so it wouldn't be extended indefinitely because they couldn't do that. So that was one of the options. That mm-hmm. seemed to be the direction we were going in for a long time. Um, taking the unpopular decision, I think... It really does depend on what that advice the government was given. I think there's a lot of uncertainty about what exactly the Attorney-General advised on the exact legal risks. I think it would be helpful if we got some sort of indication or clarity on how big that risk was because every time we have introduced a moratorium on evictions up till now, it has been in a crisis situation and it still feels like a crisis situation. Um, Another thing, the concern about the landlords leaving the market, that has been raised by... uh, um, threshold themselves that they are worried that if you do extend the eviction ban it would make the problem worse in the medium to long term but again I think it would be helpful if we saw some sort of hard mm-hmm. figures about um, indica- not just indications that landlords will leave the market but that in a couple projections in a couple of months time of what the market could look like because it's hard to imagine it being worse than it is at the moment Well we
1: know that even TDs who are landlords are leaving the market don't we? Everyone wants out it would seem mm-hmm.
2: No, it's not the case that everybody wants out. And in, in the conversation about landlords, is important we have an evidence based discussion. So since 2017, uh, we've had a steady uh, exit of single property landlords. We've mm-hmm. lost about 43,000 rental tenancies. Uh, and that's just up until the end of 2021. We don't know what we've lost last year. The Residential Tenancies Board are the only organisation who've gone out and done independent research. And they presented to our Octus committee at the latter end of last year. They're saying that 75% of landlords are comfortable and are staying where they are, but they're also saying worryingly that 25% of landlords are considering exiting, these are single property landlords. So what do
1: you do about that? Well the first thing is you
2: have to understand why they're exiting and again what the RTB research tells us is about 10% need the property for their own use, about another 7.5% are accidental landlords or what we call pension pot landlords and they're selling no matter what. And then there's about 7.5% who are concerned from their point of view around tax uh, uh, and uh, uh, regulation. What that tells us, what the independent data tells us is, no matter what this government does, a very, very large number of landlords are going to continue to sell. And therefore, what government needs to do and what they should have been doing and what we've been calling on them to do since 2018 is accelerate the delivery of both social and affordable homes for those people as they're displaced. And at the same time, where possible and where landlords are willing to sell at market value, buy up a significant number of those private rental homes and turn them into social or affordable rental. But but let me make this point, Martin. This is not news you this is something that has been going over and over again and I'm one of the few TDs who has been urging government to put into place a plan and as a consequence of your failure at the very start of April hundreds if not thousands of renters will face homelessness a decision that you made consciously and you will have to stand over it's the wrong decision it's not about being popular or not popular what government takes a decision to willingly make not just single people not just couples families with children and pensioners homeless in April, May and June and no mitigation measures no
3: emergency measures oh, and nothing okay. nothing Martin, to the, save the, these Martin people from homelessness to, this is it's back, shameful this is back to the lack of honesty in this debate from the opposition Owen is here quoting figures from 2017 of course we know there are individual landlords uh, who have one property some of whom that's their pension pot and at a certain time they will sell so that's natural that happens in the turn of things
2: but it's a, but ma- but it's a
3: very significant it's a very significant number of so the sellers at the moment it's a very significant number you're sitting here own talking about the sellers let me say to you what normally happens in the circumstances is that those people are replaced by other people who buy, who, um, and that the, the overall amount of landlords doesn't reduce because that normal churn is there. But the victimisation, the demonisation of individual landlords has made it who toxic. Has demonized who has demonised landlords? Sinn Fein at every given. I will point. challenge.
2: I will challenge you at to find every a single point. statement I have ever made, ever, on the doll record or in these studios. And Claire knows because I've spoken about this issue for years and years. We do not demonise landlords. The people it responsible absolutely. for this crisis are not landlords. It's you and it's your really colleagues in Fine Gael. I've said, it, ra- said that, on because that's very different from the rhetoric that you've been talking about for a long time. The only people I'm criticising are Fine Gael, Fianna Fáil and the Green Party for creating a dysfunctional private rental sector and consciously and willingly, willingly making families and pensioners homeless. That's your policy and that's the consequences of your but actions Martin, and no. Martin, inactions. Martin, listening
1: to what you're saying, are you relying on a trickle of new one-property landlords coming in? No, but I'm saying
3: any property... Like Owen has touched on a nub of the issue with Sinn Féin there is their ideology. Like, you know, we're in a housing crisis that Owen talks about and the Sinn Féin party have opposed thousands of housing developments. Um, Again, beca- not true, Martin. Beca- it's not true. The, the development of thousands of houses because Simply it involved- not true. Sorry, Owen, I didn't interrupt you. No, but you're Féin telling
2: lies. You're telling lies on air. Right? We, oppose, it, hold on, we, oppose, we oppose the transfer at low cost or no cost of public land to private developers where they're building homes for 400,000 euros. You held up the delivery of thousands not. of homes Simply not because true. of ideology. Simply not true. We finish. want affordable homes. What you want is cuckoos and vultures and developers selling homes for 450,000 euros Okay, you're that just 80% keep of over. the population can't afford. I make the point here. The ideology the truth is flawed
3: here. in terms of Sinn Féin's approach here where they don't want any private uh, uh, element of this. Again, That's not, not true. You need That's a, a lie. Mix. You need a mix to fix this housing challenge. You need houses to fix this housing challenge of you and affordable and you houses and you're as part not of that. delivering the them. The government alone can't do it. Sinn Féin make it sound like the government will build every house. That's not how it operates. I'd we like you to build just a few if you don't mind. We buy are it. and we had the most amount of social houses delivered last year. And you missed your year. targets again for the third year in a row. Jeez missed on, your, your targets every, every single year. year. This is, uh, social and this is the training you get in media to just shout down your opposition whenever you want to make a point. Like the fact is, but Martin, here,
1: your own party leader Tateeshik has admitted that we're down 250,000 houses. You know, it's, it's a desperate situation. It's not that
3: we're down it. That's the level we need to grow for because our economy I found an article off the Irish Independent during the week that was from 2012 that said it will take 43 years for us to fill all the vacant properties that are there we have managed the economy Really well over the time to get it back to a position of growth, to get people, um, you know, to stay here when people were emigrating, f- to have Irish people who want to come back here, and obviously to have a lot of people who want to come and live and work here in very good jobs that have been created here. That has created all of these challenges. But in terms of providing all the housing that we need for that growing, vibrant economy, both in our Ar- rural and urban Ireland, we need a mix of private investment. So yeah. I'm not saying we're totally okay. dependent on the private land. Let's, landlord, co- let's but come I'm, back I'm to the basics. Right? The, the, that the, base... about that the state build every house. Okay, the That's The the basic
1: argument is that before you implement a change like ending the eviction ban, you've got to put some solutions in place. You've got to put protections in place and you've jumped ahead to ending this eviction ban before you're ready to do it, before anything is in place.
3: No, I don't believe that. We've used the time um, over the winter to continue to see the increase of supply. We see the extra uh, 7,000 social houses that have been built in that time. Drop Um, in the
1: ocean. I mean, I, I bring you back to that question I asked you and there's texters on to me here saying, can you ask Martin to answer the question? What are you going to tell to your constituents who come in and say, I'm losing my rental home. Where will I go?
3: So we have the direct interventions there. The, you know, the extra one thousand targeted leasing units. We, we, we is that what you're
1: going to tell them?
3: So, so what we estimate is that there was about two thousand seven hundred um, people who avoided eviction during the moratorium over the winter. That's that's what the measure in around the statistics are telling us. So one of them so, comes so, to you
1: in your constituency so, so, clinic. So what, what do you what, tell what them? What we are
3: looking at introducing is resources for an extra one thousand targeted leasing units, uh, fifteen hundred tenant-in-situ uh, purchases throughout twenty. 20 and to work with the local authorities on clearing uh, the challenges that are in those areas. Uh, overhauling the the cap funding will boost another 1,000 units. So they're straight away. So where do I, I go? Where We're talking 2,700.
1: You've thrown I don't know how many numbers at me there, but, but why, I still I don't know where, do where I'm going to live. Because
3: it sounds like I'm throwing statistics. But that totals 3,700 okay, units. Uh, additionally, if they all deliver, we're talking about 2,700. Okay, who sorry, are impacted Martin, out They're
1: just it. numbers, and it's fine. I accept they're numbers that are probably based in fact. That's why you didn't give me numbers the first time. I'm a constituent of yours yes. I've got nowhere to go I'm losing my home I'm being evicted So when if you're the, a constituent of ends. mine
3: Kildare County Council will have the resources to take uh, more targeted leasing units they will have the resources for more tenant in situ uh, solutions to provide to those tenants like I don't want to see anybody here in this yeah. situation but I know the alternative of extending the moratorium only puts more people in that difficult situation and whenever that cliff edge comes and I would argue that politically the opposition don't really mind if governments in an even tougher position in six months or a year's time. Or if we were sitting here and saying we'd extended it for two years, would Sinn Féin pat us on the back? They'd probably accuse us of kicking us out until the beyond the general election. So there is no decision the government can make here that we won't get kicked on. But we believe we're making the right decision to help the people who are most vulnerable in this situation. Brenda,
1: what do, what do you think? Martin's well, I, saying they can't win here.
0: You see, the, the difficulty is, OK, how long do you extend it for? Do you extend it for six months? Do you extend it for a year? Will we have resolved the issue then? Almost certainly we won't. All we'll have is a bigger glut of people facing eviction. I mean, the difficulty is that uh, the, the, and private landlords are not going to be able to solve this, but to the extent that they can, then I completely agree that had the had the ban been extended arbitrarily without any warning, uh, having, having people haven't been given the assurance that this was a limited measure, that that would have been a breach of trust with mm-hmm. private landlords. And you would have seen a flight, a greater flight from the market. I don't know if you saw the statistics last week from Airbnb. They did a survey of their of their um hosts and found that one one in ten, would let their property out to, uh, to, to a private renter. Mm. Nine out of ten were prepared to leave it idle because there is such concern about tenants' rights. And I mean, rightly or wrongly, that is the perception from landlords, that they are, to a certain extent, demonised, that nobody wants to admit to being a landlord anymore and, and, and that the odds are stacked against them. I mean, there was, there was a, again, an RTB survey published last week which, which cited complaints from landlords and tenants. And one landlord had 35 grand's worth of arrears run up. I mean this is the difficulties for landlords why on earth would you get into that yeah, market right? if that was an option?
4: Because at the end of the day it's those rights that are being prioritised. The eviction ban's not being extended. So I think um, you're know, there's. Th- you trying to I think no, it you're a li- lot. But
0: you're a landlord and you have a property that you know you're going to want back in six months or a year for yourself or for your child because you want to sell it and you're facing the prospect of that not being available to you. Why would you be bothered getting into the rental but market today? It is today? because
4: they're not extending the eviction No but you're
0: I'm, I'm saying somebody today who has a property and they're trying to decide what to do with it. I wouldn't go near the rental market.
2: But can I can I just bring that back to something very important? So, we have not two and a half thousand uh, uh, notices to quit because they were the, the only they were the notices issued in the first half of last year. We're probably going to have about five thousand notices plus washing through the system. The Residential Tenancies Board will publish today the quarter three notices to quit figures, and then we'll get on the twentieth of this month the quarter four figures. So the problem is because of the government's failure. Because keep in mind, it is the government who are in charge here. In April, May and June, very, very significant numbers of people, more than we have ever seen before, will present. And at the moment, most local authorities are near capacity or at capacity. So if people present, these are the rules, and if there is no emergency accommodation for them, if there is nothing available, and that is going to happen within days of the ban being lifted, then single people will be forced to sleep rough families with children under Tusla's rules as happened when Owen Murphy was minister will be f- referred to Garda stations and you were going to see huge numbers of tenants having no option but to overhold in their tenancies creating an even more problematic situation for the, know, for we the we landlord tenant relationship.
1: Can we go back to the musical chairs Hunger yeah. Games mm. analogy like these mm. properties that are going people are going to be asked to leave they're not going to be left vacant. No. Somebody else's problem is going to be solved which is you know the desperate the pitting of desperate people against against each other. Do you understand? But
2: but, but forcing people into homelessness isn't a solution to that problem. And that's why, for example... Only this week, uh, I've been advocating for a family in my own constituency. The landlord has been trying to sell to the local authority under the tenants in situ scheme since April of last year. Because of the bureaucracy, not of the local authority, but imposed by Dara O'Brien in the department, an offer was only made this week, and it is below what the landlord feels is acceptable. So there are options which we have been urging government to take since last year that the government has not been okay. taking. And there's and options the government have pursue that are If you, take, if that you are take those options, opposed. no, that's not true. In it fact, is.
3: the health the Buy scheme is 37. Up to buy people. scheme
2: pushes up house prices and doesn't help any single renter.
3: First time buyers
2: pushes in homes up house prices immensely. Okay. Okay. Listen, our worse. time,
1: our time is. Uh Almost up. But I just want to touch on another uh, story that we covered during the week. And this was this report from the NTA. You might start us on this one about free transport. They were asked to look at free transport and the impact of it. They say it would take 1% of cars off the road and it might result in people taking unnecessary journeys, to use that overused <coughs> phrase. Um what do you think about that? Because there was some controversy, we discussed it here on the programme, that really what you would do if you had free transport is you would encourage more people to use it. That seems like the obvious conclusion. And it does work in other countries where they have a very good and efficient transport system.
4: Yeah, um, I suppose the report basically said that based on the research that it had done, uh, that if public transport was made free, that you would move more people who walk and cycle onto um, trains and buses rather than people who were in cars yeah. onto trains and buses and that they said um, a, you know, a minimal fee might be better and this was then accepted by the transport minister and Green uh, Party leader Eamon Ryan who said that it would cost you know, half a billion a year and it wouldn't do what they wanted it to do, basically. But um, that seemed to lie contrary to the direction that we are going and what we need in the country, which is to incentivize people to leave the car at home. We are a very car centric society uh, in Ireland. Um, And I think it also got people asking what exactly? What are the? Who are these people who would take unnecessary journeys on public transport because a bus is free? It's not like uh, people particularly enjoy getting public transport, particularly during rush hour. So I think it kind of raised questions about why there wasn't a bit more probing of that, and and it was just accepted um, at at face value. Yeah. Well,
1: Martin, the other issue that came up because we got some messages on this, people in rural Ireland, and a couple of them onto us here, are saying I'm not paying into that 540 million euro pot for free transport when I'm going to get mm-hmm. nothing out of it.
3: Well, th- that is the uh, maybe the, the urban-centric uh, nature of that discussion because there's people in rural Ireland and people in South Kildare, which isn't that far from Dublin, saying you're having a debate about whether it's free or not I just want access to it yeah. uh, and like yeah. that's the fact that you know we have to uh, ramp up that we, we've made big investment we see I see in my constituency a lot more local link rural network uh, elements there we have obviously the, first, uh, the active travel scheme I see the benefits of the safer routes to school uh, investment and how that's playing out but like we have issues in South Kildare like across the commuter belt uh, up where the short hop zone finishes for the tra- for the rail in Salins and commuters in Newbridge and Kildare in Monastrevan and Port Tarrington are paying exorbitant rates compared to people inside the short-up zone. Eamon Ryan has uh, undertaken to address that issue and he's coming back to us uh, very soon in the coming weeks where hopefully and commuters in, in Wicklow and, and Mead are affected by this as well. But we have to address those anomalies before we start talking about free transport.
1: Yeah, Would you apartment. say in South Kildare now you're a long way off getting people out of their cars?
3: Uh, well, we've people who want to use that train but it's just it's too expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 and full. Uh, well, and full. Th- Yeah, no, th- 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 the space there if, it was, if the price was affordable. But... Um, No, look, obviously with the pandemic, there's more people working from home a couple of days a week. So the dependency on the car and going to Dublin every day isn't as much. But I have an awful lot of constituents who are commuters um, and who do so by car. And, you know, we, we need to improve the public transport offering for them. Brand of free totally,
0: transport totally inadequate the, the public transport offering at the moment. I actually tend to agree that uh, completely free would inc- encourage people. I, I have to say it would probably encourage me if I had two stops to go and I saw a bus pull up. I probably would jump on it if it was free. I think what we need is affordable, certainly much much cheaper public transport, but just a small in you know innovations like you should be able to tap your, your debit card getting onto a bus. You can't do that, and we won't be able to do that until the end of the you year. You can do that. But I, you can't. I, I can't. Did, I no, no. So it's, it's not well, coming into you, the you end of the have, year. You your have leap top,
2: card. You have, you have to do your leap card. Look, your leap card. But the point card, is, yeah, we but don't but have
0: we don't have enough we don't have enough transport. My, my daughter but was trying to get home from college. maybe they are, but they don't have enough buses for the people want to use it. My daughter was trying to get home from college last night. She was she she ended up having to walk from from the city center. She was only going three miles. to three or four buses past her absolutely full that's fine she was only three miles down the road people who are going further out what were they going to do on the worst night of the year would you if i was one of those people i would drive in the next day 100 mm-hmm. percent. and that's the problem we simply don't it's like the housing problem we don't have an adequate supply of public transport okay so the, the trick
2: the trick to this yeah. is and i say this as a daily bus user um is if you want to get more people out of their cars you make public transport accessible you make it comfortable and you make it affordable uh, and the level of government investment both in uh, urban centres and in rural links is nowhere close to what's uh, required. And that's why we have such a Uh, logjam. Public transport usage is actually back to pre-COVID levels at rush hour. So what you need to do is, first of all, increase the stock. But what you also need to make it affordable. The government should extend the 20% reduction indefinitely. And there is an argument for free uh, transport, particularly for children, because it's habit forming. And therefore, increase the investment, make the reduction in fares permanent and make transport for children free. And I think if you did those three things, both in an urban and rural Ireland, because there's inadequacies in the public transport system in both. Bus connects, for example, needs to be accelerated. We need a bus connects for the commuter belt, something Martin's voters would greatly uh, appreciate. We need bus connects accelerated uh, in uh, Cork and Galway. And what we also it's, need it's is rural It's pretty cheap s- for, for children at the moment on the bus. I was on Dublin it's, bus, I went it, a
1: lengthy journey and was 40 cent per it, child.
2: It, it is, but there, there's lots of evidence uh, from researchers that show habit formation of parents and children at a young age is really, really important for what they then do later on in life. So if you want to get value for money reduce the fares to an affordable level for those of us that pay but for the young children, make it free, but crucially. So you agree Martin with Damon Ryan's it.
1: stance on that EY report? He agrees with it, commissioned by the NTA, that free tra- trans public transport right now is no, not a good I, idea.
2: No, I, I agree with, I think, the general consensus here, which is the single biggest priority is increased investment. The government's only spending about 4 or 5 million in rural links. We need about ten or, 20, 10 or or 20 million annually. you know, no, In terms of your annual commitments, exceptionally low. The local link is up on 30, and, 30 million. and Yes, but the annual increases are very low, as my Point. Unless you're increasing the availability reducing the affordability, people will stay in their cars.
1: We have to go. Thank you very much for coming in and thank you at home for listening. Our programme was produced by Neve Lines, researched by Emma Cawley, Jarneth Holland was our broadcast coordinator. Lee Mullen was on sound. It's over to Louise.